0: That's mad. Not tonight.
1: You're not on the list. Hello, I'm Conor McLoone and welcome to the You're Not on the List podcast produced for Rewind That Track. On this podcast, we interview, dive deep and take a journey into the lives of those in the music industry everything from backstage to onstage we're here to chat to the people that make up the scene if this is your first time listening to the podcast thanks for checking it out if you haven't already can you hit that follow button on spotify or apple music and can you give us a five star rating if you enjoy the series for season two we're going further and uploading parts of the interviews to the youtube channel so if you want to see the interview head over to the rewind that track youtube page my guest this week is a label owner, event organizer, and DJ taking on the grime and bass music scene by Storm. With releases hitting the iTunes top 20 and hours and hours putting on events and into publishing, he's someone you can learn a lot from. It's Tom Varney-Smith from 140. During this episode, we discuss how much of a benefit understanding the business of the music scene can help a label.
0: So I was like, right. Let's let's put my business knowledge to good use. Let's. So I started working on a business plan. How stressful running events can be for promoters. On the day at lunchtime, we'd done about yeah. two two hundred and fifty tickets, and I was shit in my pants, absolutely bricking them. And what impact getting mugged at a rave had on his journey? They were like the nicest muggers ever, but they were massive. So it was kind of like, well, if I disagree, I'm probably going to yeah. get in some spot of bother. I was in the rave. I was like, oh, do you anyone yeah. with any weed? They were like, oh, I'll meet you outside in ten.
1: My guest this week is an event manager, label owner, DJ and advocate of everything bass. He's got over six years of experience in the live music industry, has run live streams, the label has seen releases, hit the likes of the iTunes and Beatport charts and his brand is currently midway through a UK tour of shows. It's one forty. it's Tom Varney smith Good afternoon fella, how are you? I'm not so bad, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm very, very good. It's a Sunday evening. Um, This episode will be going out in two or three weeks' time. We're coming towards one of the things I'm noticing at the moment now. It's getting light again, which is lovely. It's getting light early. Doors. It's getting light around four or five. Summer's on the way. It's going to be warm weather. Uh, I know we're both in the north, but there's the sun's been out in Manchester, (laughs) which is uh, which is which is rare. But it's uh, it's making me feel good. Getting that vitamin D on you. It makes you feel a bit nicer, doesn't
0: it? It is. Yeah. Just just. It just, it, it inspires and motivates that bit more, doesn't it? Just like it not, not being sat there in the darkness all the time. But yeah.
1: It does. It does. Uh, we we're talking a little bit beforehand, admiring your panelling in the background in your room. <laughs> just uh, the interior of your gaff. I was complimenting yeah. it. Very nice. Very yeah. nice for anyone that's on the YouTube at the moment can uh, can see. I'm going like, it's not, to, it's not Tom's handiwork, I'm afraid.
0: No, if, shout uh, out our last so uh, I wouldn't have yeah. a bloody clue. Yeah, she's, uh, <laughs> she's done a
1: solid job there. Like I said, mate, it's a very, very nice interior. A very, very nice interior. We're also talking about like, so full disclosure, I was thinking about people that have on the podcast. Um, I'd say mm, 60%, 70% of the people I've had on, I've met before, like I've met once or twice. It's getting, yeah. it's getting less and less common now where obviously the podcast is getting little bit bigger and other people are coming onto it but we've met we've met a couple of times we were just saying there, uh, sort of through our sort of through our music career um probably first time i had an interaction with you and we'll get onto it later was one of your first releases um on the label all the way back in 2016 15 17 17 was it yeah okay fair enough um and yeah it was sort of um covered 140 there on the um i mean i'm not gonna lie I've, i've Unlisted those videos now on my YouTube channel <laughs> just because uh, I, did, I just I wasn't really like i looking back now and I'm like I would like to go back to that new sort of style stuff again but um but yeah they, for anyone that's going to be listening to that and going oh, I'm going to watch that video sorry they they're gone for the moment but um and then we said about um two years later came to uh, Huddersfield to uh to see you do uh, the 140 live event. That was at a basement. Also, shout out basement. We've had um, had Jake on the podcast as well before. Um, very good venue, very good event, very good series that we'll get back into the later. That was the last time I met you. Me.
0: Yeah, when was that? Was that I think that was March twenty really? nineteen. Yeah, must have been. Must yeah. have been. Coco as well had
1: on the podcast as well we performed at that and uh yeah it was this yeah it was a really really sick event and yeah it's just enjoyable to go see like live grime and just see a lot of good DJs like there's a lot of people that have, have done fantastically what was that two three years ago now was not it three years ago three years, there's a lot yeah. of people that have that have come on since then obviously Coco's been doing bits uh, what were the DJs that were there was it Oblig there or was it uh Jacked Up it was Jack Up was there yeah sick and obviously doing fantastic bits moment like always appearing on Keep Hush always appearing on uh is it Fire Radio as well he's always like doing sets on the stuff and bits and pieces
0: yeah 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 he's on he's on
1: rinse a lot with jams and stuff yeah 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 just as we said in the intro there so there's a lot of a lot of titles there you've got a lot of industry experience in lots of corners of the industry we've got sort of like we said they're dj label owner event manager put on events done live streams done lots and lots and lots of bits and pieces people listening to this like people know about 140 now like there's a you're putting out releases you're putting on events the brand's grown the label's grown but to take it all the way back to the start what was sort of your introductions to music? Sort of what sort of lit the fire underneath you with sort of listening to music? What were you listening to around the house? What were sort of some of the first events
0: that you were going to, sort of first raves? Mine's a bit of a weird one, just because I don't really have any music background in my family. A lot of people yeah. tend to have someone who always kind of, I don't know, someone played an instrument or someone who always had a certain genre on around the house or pushed them to sort of listen to stuff. Never really had that. Mine was all, um, came from school. Uh, where I grew up really Um, I had a couple of mates Um, at the time in, in my local village where I lived mm. who had like grime on their knockers like grime nice. garage early knockers not a because
1: no, you couldn't put music on that but we're it, talking like some won.
0: early coloured one I can't remember it had a silver back it was like one of the nicest okay. knockers ever and it was loud yeah. like really yeah. loud yeah um, I couldn't back, tell you what it was. yeah yeah it was pretty yeah, much yeah. one of them yeah um, and that was like 2006 2007 so it would have been like year 8 ish okay and what um, it, are we
1: talking like live sets are we talking like what
0: What tunes no it was there? just like um, early like Lethal Bizzle Fire Camp um, nice. Wiley Wiley Dizzy yeah. Rascal mm. that was pretty much all we were kind of experts up at yeah, that time yeah, yeah. yeah. um and by, I found that kind of like by 2009, 2010, so year 10, year 11, YouTube was massively prominent from that, mm. in that two, th- was it launched in 2007? I think it launched 2006. 2006. But by far, think, 2009, yeah. 2010, it was, it was massive. Like, mm. It was everywhere and everything was documented across music. Everything was uploaded. All the Risky Road stuff made its way on there, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then by that time, most people knew in schools anyway at that time and knew what grime was Um, I don't think there'd been any massive breakthrough in terms of mainstream radio but everyone sort of knew who Skepta was and stuff like that a lot of people so that and then it was like I'll come back to this later of how it tied into why I ended up where I am now but I was always really good at business I was rubbish at everything but I was really <laughs> good at business in school I got A-stars all the way through in business nice. pretty much bunked everything else <laughs> Right. <laughs> so yeah I'll, I'll explain why that comes around in a bit but and I met a mate I think I was in about six. T- it was about six form. I was just uh, to sell a bit of weed. Nothing like <laughs> just like only like only like an ounce a week. Like fuck all in, in context. It was just sort of my mates out. Really, it paid for my own sort of smoking habits. Yeah. Um, and through that, I met a mate who is now he's been my best mate for years and uh, he's my best man at my wedding next year nice. um, and he was the one person I met who's even more passionate about grime music than, than I am yeah. like you can walk around with him he's just a walking ad lib he'll just spray bars yeah. from anyone over the last 20 years um, and from there it was just, just listening to sets all the time from like 2010 onwards like all so the like time
1: sidewinder ones like old sidewinder shows or some of them yeah
0: but mostly yeah, like right, my yeah. our thing was more logan summer after i was yeah. uh, kiss fm that yeah, was yeah. like just he had he was at that time he was the pinnacle of like live mm-hmm. sets for that for that area of grime um mm. sidewinds a bit earlier and old rinse sets are a bit earlier yeah. but i used to listen to that same way but they were like what i used to spend and lock into every week and just rinse like absolutely rinse them all mm. um and then from there, obviously, turning sort of eighteen, getting at a stage to ready to get going out and stuff. Obviously, first on the list for us was like Eskimo Dance. I went to mm-hmm. two or three around the country—Leicester, um, London—which was sick experiences. Um, I think I went to a lot of the Mights launch party, Lord lot of the match free when that came back. Got nice. mu- got mugged. <laughs> my brand new MSP phone, yeah. But I mean, you did know they, it- they took your phone or your wallet or it's, uh, my. F- I didn't even have any money in my wallet I took my
1: phone <laughs> when you say mug do you mean like uh, I mean I don't know I you to talk about this you mean like you were pickpocketed or you mean literally like knife out after the venue like give us your phone give us your wallet
0: <sighs> they were like the nicest muggers ever but they were massive so it was kind of like well if I disagree I'm probably gonna yeah. get in some spot of bother but um, <laughs> yeah it was like 7 foot Man, they had a park it was huge I, I just wanted to get some weed I was in the rave I was like I'll oh, do you know yeah. anything with any weed they were like I'll meet you outside in 10 boom Empty your pocket. Like, so, surely you didn't go back into the event. Um, we just didn't. Not you. Sorry, I mean him. Like that's got to be the
1: boldest mugger in the world. Like I'll meet you outside in ten. still having a good time, and then he's like, I don't know. It was, cause this was quite late
0: on. It was like two in the right, morning by this point. Right, I have two. Okay. Um, and yeah, he just after that we just didn't cross paths again. We didn't go back in the rave because obviously we didn't have any of his shit on us. <laughs> um, and that was my first sort of welcome to London, which I find quite funny. Um, now I look back, it was funny. Yeah. Um, because like I say, it wasn't like a mad intimidating one. It yeah. felt like it at the time, but on hindsight, it could have been a lot worse because they were just yeah, like, yeah, give me your shit.
1: It's good that it didn't put you off. When I went to... um,
0: uh, It would have been... It
1: was Dizzy Rascal did a start to finish, like just did a show of Boy in the Corner in about 2000... I want to say 2015-ish. No, 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 it can't be like 2016 or 2017. It start to finish in... Fucking, hell, I can't even remember this now. Box Park in, it must be east somewhere. Um, and I went with a mate. It'd been sick, like Love Boy in the corner. It was like it was the first time before he was doing. He wasn't doing those little festival sets at the time, and it was before he had come back and had made. I think it was in like a grace period where he wasn't producing, I wasn't mm-hmm. doing any things. And I was like sick gonna against see boy in the corner, like live start to finish rendition. Went there with him, mate, a couple of drinks beforehand. Didn't live in London. Was staying at my brother's flat, and um, we just we went to the event. Um, it was sick. Like I can't. I think they had. Um, it wasn't Logan like Sam. Slimzy. Slimzy did the warm up set, and it was just then him coming on doing the start to finish. A boy in the corner, and uh, it was like right. I want to get quite near the front, and I think it was a little bit drunk or whatever. And literally, second song in, I'd been filming like the opening. They went to go film someone else. Put my phone in my pocket, and then literally within the space of like two minutes, went to go like, "Was like, oh, I'm just gonna check my phone." Somebody pickpocketed it. Yeah. And I was just like, "Oh fuck!" And then the whole night was spent like where's my just thinking like oh where's my fucking phone where's my phone like did, 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 rather than just going you know what it's happened whatever like you've paid for insurance with it it was just it dampened the night and then i was just like oh just for about a year i was like i can't listen to anything I'm fucking boy in the corner without thinking about thinking about that so i'm glad, <laughs> it, didn't have a, I'm glad it didn't have a negative impact no. my um, view of being like okay
0: i think at the time it, i just understood that it came with the territory of going to before it was obviously commercialized going to mm. that kind of event But yeah, other than that, like I can't really say anything bad happened. I had a lot of obviously great experiences and met a lot of great people from going to them. So, you know, peaks and drops, it could happen anywhere, it could happen anytime. Interesting,
1: because talking about grime and talking about like sort of live events and stuff like that, it's the only live event that you can listen to back on tape packs. And it did used to be obviously like horrendous. uh, I think it was a bit more like Gang culture in the late 90s, early 2000s, type thing where Garage was coming a bit darker and other bits and pieces as well. But people getting knifed in the dance and people like people taking in guns and stuff like that as well you can hear like on radio there's a couple of famous sets where you can hear like the crowds like they literally stop sets early and people would have to go off because the crowd be getting too rowdy because they'd be going in too hard there's Mm -hmm. a couple of like roll deep sets and there might even be some nasty crew sets as well where like they literally like bouncers come on and said we've got to leave like this is the last song type thing because the crowd is going so mad and obviously where the crowd is going so mad there's like people pushing hitting, and yeah. starting. then people pulling out knives and then they're like right we don't need this like you've got you're getting too gassed everyone's getting too gassed you've got to calm it down yeah, and yeah. Sets. And i was like there's no there's to my knowledge no other um no other scene or no other thing that has that sort of past thing of going the crowd is getting too gassed so we're locking it off early like you've got to leave which is very unique to grime and it's interesting to hear back and go back to those sets and even to compare it to the day where you're like oh i don't know you just don't you just don't get it anymore which is good obviously like nobody wants to be getting knifed nobody wants to be getting shot or like threatened no, or anything no. like that. but it's um yeah it's interesting
0: it is, it is. Actually, it's okay. it's part of the culture and part of where the sound comes from and i think it's um it's important to put that into context when you listen, listen to a lot of that era of music mm. they were speaking about real shit that was happening right? mm. and that that's why it is so authentic so you
1: um you went down to London, leave ten eighteen. You're starting to go into Eskimo dance events now. So you've met uh, a very good customer, shall we yeah. say? Um, after at Sick form and what sort of like the next steps then for
0: sort of DJing then, for Star well, stuff. After that came around, it was um butters, obviously. Mm. Um, where they were been, they were massive in London from sort of two thousand might be wrong here, but I feel it's about two thousand nine, two thousand ten onwards. Um, <laughs> and there. In around 2012, 2013, 2014, they did um, a monthly residency across Liverpool, Manchester and Leeds and they did it for about three years. No idea Mm -hmm. how they did that. (laughs) Every month coming up from London for three shows a month um, on on a weeknight. Yeah. So for
1: people listening, Butters is um, a label by Elijah and Scilliam, isn't it?
0: Yes. Sorry. Yes, a um, brand
1: and a label for Elijah and Scilliam. Um I'd like to say Grime, but it's not necessarily just Grime. It's just like bass music as well, isn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much sort of branched out. But they, at the time, they were just, they massively helped spread the sound up here mm. um, in a live sort of. Um, a club scenario. Um, they were bringing up artists for, you know, they brought up novelists, they brought up Noom Generals, they brought up Merler, they brought up Spooky, they brought up all these guys from London. We never really ever got up here. And it got in, in Wire, which is one of the most like, iconic clubs for sort of underground dance music, just because of the, if you've been, you'll know it's just like a dungeon, but it's quite mm-hmm. modern as well. And it's just, it just holds an atmosphere like no other venue I've been to because it's quite a low, Like a really low roof as well, Mm -hmm. Um, and just from from the traction they gained over that, like some of the best nights of my life at that time, like unbelievable. Just uh, we've been so raw at the time as well. It was before the before phones came. It was before Instagram and stories were a thing, Mm -hmm. so everything was just so in the moment as well, Um, which is why I remember it so fondly. I think some of the most when you can highlight a single moment and think that was actually like insane. Mm. And there were so many of them moments where you could just pinpoint. And I think that was kind of the massive like open opening to the to being a culture of it in Leeds then. Yeah, um, and that we, like I said, we could go every month on a Tuesday night for for three years. Like a number of times, I walked into work on Wednesday morning still pissed. <laughs> 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 but it was worth it. It was so it's some of the best nights ever. Um, and oh, the, do you reckon it, uh, you might? I don't. Do you know? Do you know Elijah Williams well? Or do you, I do. Yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's it's he's always been from that. He's always been my idol and everything. Mm. I look up to because of the business side of things as well. Mm. Um, and it just crammed from sort of you know. He'd sort of recognised certain faces from coming through the doors every month. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, we're skipping forward a bit here, but it kind of came full circle in. in 2019. I got to go back-to-back back with him at, at a Butters event in um, at Freedom Mills in Leeds. I can't remember how it came about now. It was quite yeah. a last-minute shout. I think they were a DJ short. What was it like? Was it a good set? Uh, yeah, it was... Um, I, was, still, I, was still, I think I was just, you know in awe of that it was happening. Like, yeah. I was still just kind of like, I kept like, just <laughs> looking at him like, like <laughs> that, but like, oh, fuck it, oh, it's actually happening. Like, is it yeah. you know, I tune, you know, I tune, I'm losing track. Cause I'm just like that, like, oh shit, <laughs> this is actually happening. That's mad, um, But yeah, it was, it was a six set and just like, the Butters crowd, whatever generation it's in, just never seems to change. They're always really? heads that are just a laugh for a love of music, like holding person in the air and light us up without kind of, been told to like, normally mm. you get it from a, it was like, lights up, up. they would do it anyway. It was like a butter's thing was having mm. a lighter up in the air or holding something up in the air, like, but in a small club setting. And it just meant mm. it was just such a unique experience. Fantastic, mate. And then so like we were just saying there,
1: DJing, picking up your first decks, putting on your first event, what was sort of the next processes from going to these events, seeing this crowd, getting experience with live music and then thinking like, okay, cool, right. I want to do de- like, were you DJing before you were going to any of these events? Or no, no you- never, never, it, never, it, never even
0: touched a pair of decks, never seen okay. a pair of decks in person, obviously yeah. never. It never occurred to me. It never yeah. once occurred to me and I don't know what it was because obviously I was so involved in it. Like, I loved mm. it. I was like, and it never, I think because decks then weren't that accessible. Like you look now, you can get pick up a controller for fifty quid do you know mm. what I mean that was never the case then like so unless you were exposed to it or knew someone with any it was never the case I'm fucking I'm showing my age here <laughs> and it didn't it didn't even sound that old in context of the year but these sort of new small controllers weren't yeah, really massive. No, I get what massive... you are
1: absolutely right there. You either had to have a, an original pair of CDJs or <laughs> you'd have somebody that would have a belt-driven turntable or maybe you'd have someone that I'm not would have a bit more money.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what I mean though? Like, yeah, um,
0: like a couple of my mates, um, like I said, not, I didn't really know them that well. Yeah. um but if i was a, very, a house party i had been invited so whatever they, they were like always had like pioneer uh, cdj 1000s which mm. were the cd decks mm. they were the kind of only things that were really like accessible i think 2000s had just come out then the first mm. 2000s but they, obviously they were like stupid money no one had them yeah. they yeah. were only clubs really had them um so yeah i only really saw set my eyes on decks in person once or twice you know outside of club setting um, yeah. and even then it was just like it was at a house party where a few like there was obviously sort of 40-50 people there and I'd not it wasn't my kind of music so I want not there jamming around the decks like yeah. into it so yeah it just never never once occurred to me um, and then I went through uh, a breakup uh, with a long time relationship I'd been in about five years hmm. um, and at that point I just didn't know what to do with myself like at, at that point I didn't have a hobby as such hmm. besides I mean you know I'm not I'm not even gonna say play an Xbox. Like I didn't have a thing that I loved that I needed yeah. in my life to sort of give my per give myself purpose. Yeah. Um so it was that was very much the finding of what 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 I was and what I wanted to do in my life, I think. Um and it was when I was at work um and my boss just was like consoling me a bit and she was like, Why don't you you need to get your head stuck into something, take your mind off it, why don't you buy a pair of decks? And I was like, Hmm. All right. Buy Paradox. Got the next new, new, mark. Mix track. Right. <laughs> <Both> <laughs> it. Yeah. That's it. yeah, it yeah, that's, the, yeah. Uh, and that was, that should be sponsored. I should be sponsored. By, uh, <laughs> it just gets
1: bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and then, so sort of what was the, uh, what was the next steps with, um, um, from a DJing perspective where you sort of like, obviously because you go under the under the uh, alias not alias you go under the name locked l-a-c-k-t didn't you so yeah. what was it sort of like now we're like right i'm gonna get a bit of a brand going i'm gonna start packaging this up and sort of playing out
0: yeah one of my good mates at the time um josh milgate he did he was a graphic designer he was doing stuff for pretty crazy just a local lad who were doing sort of artworks for bloody soldier boy and people like that <laughs> just like from seeing his work on twitter and instagram was crazy yeah. um but just a little lad from yorkshire um but yeah, he, he was a, a sick designer, like really sick. And he just helped me put together some basic concepts like just mm. as a mate. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of started trying to get the ball rolling. Met Elliot Young for uh, Shout a... Shout out, I got, Elliot. got some press shots done in Keithley. Nice. <laughs> Shout out, Elliot. Shout out Keithley as well. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, just started trying to sort of putting some pro mixes together, sending them out. But little did I realise that at that time it was very difficult to To break through unless you were in leads and in the network and that was mm. when the, the learning curve came for sort of communicating, networking, going to events, mm. speaking to promoters, all that stuff that you, sounds quite cliche that everyone always says is so important. Mm. It's so important. And some of them relationships I made going from them butters early nights mm. set the tone for what happened as I got older but little did I know at the time. That was just me just having a chat and wanting to speak to the DJ that was playing I wanted to speak to Elijah or but little did I know they would remember me for that within that after that year when I'd upgraded my decks I um, I was just hungry for more I just wanted the next the the next thing Um, and with that butters had just stopped they'd taken a break they'd done their three Mm -hmm. years they'd announced that they were just gonna don't know have a bit of a break I think Mm -hmm. and I was a bit lost because then my fix for the stuff that I was loving I couldn't get anymore Um, Mm. So I was like, right, let's let's put my business knowledge to good use. So let's. I, met, I started working on a business plan. because um, I started, it started. I was just thinking of lineup ideas, and I was like, why well, mm. don't actually build this into like trying to have a crack at putting together a plan for an event? And then yeah, as, as that went on, I kind of formalised a proper business plan with you know, um, I wanted to do a mint club in Leeds. I scoped everything out done all my research what I wanted to do the lineups I'd managed to email some agents for quotes for pricing and I took it to I was working on it at my lunch times at work mm. um, and my boss the same one I mentioned before I said to get my deck she just asked what it was I was working on and um yeah she's like alright oh, cool yeah and then three months later um, she asked for a copy of it and then a week after that she was like alright oh, I've had a look at this let's do that I to do it I was like, fuck it now. Shit, we're on. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that was probably early, it was like spring 2016. Oh, yeah. And then the launch event was October 2016 at Mint Club. So I took it to Mint um, and they didn't really take a chance on unknown promoters at the time. Yeah. But they just had some recent success of a brand called Reminisce, which was doing baseline pretty much predominantly baseline because um, yeah. it was very much the time that was Lengoland had just started. There was a, a bit of something there. Um, TQD would just sort of emerge themselves from these mm-hmm. butters Nights as a new group. Um, so it was very, at the time where it's just at the start of it's come up. Like mm-hmm. it was, it had bridged been like just an underground new wave genre thing. It was, mm-hmm. it was very much starting to, um, and yeah so Mint sort of took a chance on us thinking well we could do with another night like that um, and the thing that I'd obviously put together a business plan which I don't think they'd probably ever had from another yeah, 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 yeah. 22, it's a, it's 23 year old yeah
1: uh, yeah they won't normally uh, just I know a couple of promoters and people and bits and pieces like that that is probably stand out which is good where they're like okay this guy knows sort of what he's doing what the plan is what's, uh, what's he's, he's yeah. a lot more structured and organised which from a business perspective obviously they think okay see so he's not just going to fucking trash the place or probably not going to spend like get two people through the door I'm assuming you've got more than two people for the first event <laughs> we did, yeah, otherwise we it ruins otherwise, <laughs> it, ruined, otherwise <laughs> it ruined that there but um <laughs> but you didn't smash up the place which is good so yeah i think having a business plan and coming to them with that where they probably like fucking hell yeah um sick yeah okay cool so they took that on then straight away like as a thing
0: yeah um and we had our launch they helped me he, le- he helped just, uh, big up foz for, uh, i mean he lent- he's still the bookings manager today for newest, newest in the park and all sorts mm. um he helped me learn the ropes a lot he gave me a lot of um you know, when I was pranging about 10-page contracts that I'd never set eyes on before, I was like, oh, yeah. shit, you've got to do this, this, and this. And he was like, mate, a lot of it's just formalities. Like, you're yeah. never, they're never going to take you to court for anything or, you know, worst-case scenario, they'll just hound you for money if they get cancelled and they, they don't get paid. Like, mm. th- you need to stop stressing about all these clauses and forge for jaw and all this shit. Mm. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my first entrance into it, really. And, uh, yeah, we, did the, we, we put the night on. Um, to my disbelief, we did about we did about five hundred eighty, and it's only a on first event no, on the first event. That's mad, and it was only a five fifty cap. Uh, on the day at lunchtime, we'd done about yeah. two two hundred and fifty tickets, and I was shit in my pants, absolutely bricking him. So I was thinking we're going to lose. We'd gone quite all in with a lineup. Yeah. We'd spent about who's on the first lineup. It was cause and Effect, Skeps- okay. Skepsis sick. and Champion. Oh, sick first lineup. Yeah, we, yeah. we paid Skepsis two hundred quid that night that shows you where we that shows you at the light of the time it was like that I've never had that was very eye opening that 24 mm. hours from a full promoter experience yeah. yeah from having that kind of just knowing that I needed to impress Mint to be back again knowing yeah. that I had someone else's money on the line no So we're not. going through that time. So you're at lunchtime, you're thinking, right,
1: I've not sold enough tickets here to break even. Yeah. Fuck, we're losing money on the first event. This, I need to pay these people, I need to pay this. I'm gonna to have to say to the investor, like, oh shit, we've I've lost a bit of money here, mm. type thing. And then what was it? Was it um because this, this might just be useful for people that are thinking about putting on events, or this might be there? Was it just more people turned up on the door than what you thought and other people mates Or did you do this last minute push of socials selling bits, like trying to push out and be like, We've got this event here, we've got this stuff tonight?
0: I mean, pushing we were pushing pretty hard. So we, we built I'd built a team of reps in the lead up to it that have just you know put out a post on Facebook you know Mm. looking for reps can offer you you know event experience et cetera et cetera Um, and yeah so we had a team of students and I just don't think we realised obviously you don't realise until you've got some experience under your belt but how last minute tickets can be in cities where there's a big student Mm. population so I'd there was, there was engagement, but not ever anything that we thought, you know, obviously as a, a new brand with a new set of socials. You're not going to get 200, 300 likes. So you're like, oh, this is, this is massive. The, you know, you don't have the KPIs to rely on for previous events. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it, it, I think we just didn't realize how widely spread it had actually been spoken about in person between students and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then. I got to about three o'clock and I was just refreshing the ticket link and it was just flying. I was like, what the fuck Thick. is going on? I still had no idea what to do on the night because I've never put on a night before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was just the whole day was just a learning curve from start to finish. And I just was like, even on the day, I think we'd still only got 450. And we did 120 people on the door. That's unheard of. I, yeah. never, I never once did that again after that night. Never. yeah. yeah. Not even close. I think we'd never, after that, I don't think we'd ever put more than 60 in on the door, 50. Yeah. So I doubled it and I, I just couldn't believe it. And then I had a moment where I was just stood behind the deck. And like I say, it's very much time still, stories still were a massive thing. And I just looked out and the whole place were going fucking bananas. And mm. like, I was like, fucking done it. I f- I fucking done it. I could not believe it. Like, bear in mind, I didn't have no student network. I didn't go to uni in Leeds. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just felt like I just got together a few fucking student reps put together a plan, put together a lineup, promoted it on socials. Mm. And we'd fucking sold out Mink Club, which was like one of the biggest sort of brands in the country. Um, And yeah, that kind of set the, set the foundations of everyone. Everyone was happy as fuck. You know, let's, let's carry on. Let's crack on. Let's go again. And, uh, yeah, it's quite a working after that. I'd, I'd, it kind of crossed path with some of the other questions because of the timeline of stuff. But no, uh, that's all right, mate. We
1: can just go. We have, we'll just go through it naturally. So, what? Just what I was going to ask then. So, you put on your first event, two thousand sixteen. How long do you then leave it before you put on another event? Like you personally, like how did you leave it? Why well, did you leave it at that time?
0: The aim always was to do one a term, so we did one again I think, in I think the one after that was February, so it was October mm-hmm. sixteen, and then we did the second in February seventeen, and then we did May seventeen, and then October seventeen. Um, and that was the run of four that we had at the, in that mm-hmm. stint. Um, and it was, uh, again, that whole year. Everything's been a massive learning curve, to fair. Don't need to carry on saying it. It's just, you're always learning on, on the job we're promoting, I think, because there's just Go so many up, different things. The big things that you learned at the start of the year. Well, I it? mean, so the f- f- first event, obviously, the aim always was to put on a massive lineup. We mm. broke even at that, even selling out, because. Mm. It was like let's make a splash, and then we can take all the content for socials and make mm-hmm. a splash beyond leads. And yeah. it, and it did exactly that. Everyone was talking about it from one event, which was which was crazy. Um, and it gave me a massive leg up when promoting stuff in and or socials. People already knew what one thought it was just from seeing it online yeah. after one event. Um, and then you had people like Skepsis posting videos from it as well. Who were even for a two hundred quid booking at a time were massive. Mm -hmm. He could have easily been going out for 700, 800 quid at that time and Mm -hmm. on the verge of breaking through. Um, And yeah, the second event we had, one man, Notion um, and Spooky. And that was the night I referred to when I spoke to you earlier. the same night, Detonate had sold out Chasing and Status, can't remember else on the lineup, it was probably one of the biggest DB night lineups we've ever had in Leeds. Yeah. Um and TQD had sold out Mission Down the Road, which was about a thousand caps. So but that was like four, three and a half thousand of our target market there, gone. Um a lot of them students, because detonate. Um yeah. and one man wasn't kind of the, you know, he wasn't baseline, he wasn't the the pull that baseline and drum and bass had so Mm -hmm. directly competing with two of the biggest baseline and yeah Yeah, so we lost like it was like like I say one step forward two step back so we lost about three and a half four grand on that night and we put about on that one night alone yeah and we still managed to that was like we were like 100 tickets at lunchtime and we still Mm -hmm. managed to I worked my ass off that day. still managed to put like 230, 240 in. So it was still yeah. our, it was still our full, still yeah. a good night. And we still kind of had the media team in there. We still paid Elliot. We still had um, Dan Watson. who was like, he went on to do stuff for for Rocks and stuff. He mm-hmm. was like the best. So we, we, we paid big in the early events to, to carry on making that splash. If mm-hmm. you like, regardless keep of the momentum going, yeah. keep the social presence. There, um, so going. with that media, we still, it still looked like a, a really sick night. Yeah. Um, so yeah then we went on to number three Holy Goof in May Holy Goof was I think he just released that Skepta bootleg mm-hmm. and it was he was the the name on everyone's tongue um, mm. and I think we only paid a, we paid a grand for him about six months before that and he probably, probably doubled in that time yeah, and we did yeah. um, put him Slimsy Killer P um, and who else was on that Darksey. yeah <laughs> and we're like getting
1: a good mixture there aren't you With, like you said 140 covering the bass down there not necessarily just having sort of one genre within there doing multi-genre so you got grime bass line um yeah just sort of like that covering that bass is there
0: yeah and well that was you, that was the whole kind of concept for 140 after butters left it was creating a multi-genre night that was branded that way yeah um and we always shouted about you know what on the in the promo you know yeah. Grammage, grime, but for people who didn't know the, the, the acts or whatever yeah. um and in the end, that's what ended up feeding the colour coding for the label later on. I won't go into that yet. Um, but yeah, that was the concept for it. It was just branded in a way that you knew what you were going to get. Um, and yeah, so we did really good. That we that one sold out in the afternoon of the Friday on the, on the day. So that's that, sold, that yeah. was our first advanced sellout. Um, a massive night that had a massive buzz around it afterwards. Um, and then again, one step forward, two steps back. We did Predator and. We clashed with Detonate again. Pretty sure it was another Chasing Status show. So twice in a year. The only two <laughs> dates we clashed on both of them. And we again, we lost another another four grand on that one. So like, yeah. It, um, uh, broke even, lost, broke even, lost sort of type, Yeah, that and point. that, yeah. I can't ever put into words that going into an event where you know, you know you've lost a lot of money and you know you've just yeah. got to put face on. Everyone's coming up to you sort of, Bigging you up, or saying the night's sick, or whatever, and you're just like,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Just yeah, like, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, stick. Oh, was, yeah, yeah you're a yeah, yeah. so and you're just
1: that. Like, like, <laughs> like, Fuck, that's got to be stressful, man. That's got to be stressful because I, I think a lot of people won't even necessarily think about that. Um, they won't even think about not being able to sell enough tickets to break even, and they won't think necessarily. Like they'll see you there and they'll see you at the event, and they'll probably see it. Like you said, they'll see it popping off. They'll go like they'll they'll base your they'll base that on what the energy is like in the room, <laughs> wouldn't they? Like there yeah. nobody's dancing, no one doing anything, but if the crowd's popping off and there's good energy and there's people playing and they're playing sick music, then they just think. Sick, what a sick night, what a success. And they won't necessarily think about the other side where they're like, oh, okay, well, I don't, because they don't necessarily know how much artists cost a book or they don't know what the deal is with like the (laughs) venue, whether it's like tickets or bar sales or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, there's that whole other side that mm, you're not necessarily having to take into consideration. (laughs) Where you, um, where we talked about the first set of events there, the first four, and we noticed, uh, and you mentioned about sort of uh, other. Um, events being on at the same time which can impact the success of your event and if it's yeah. similar similar at that time then obviously that will have an impact you can't necessarily control that because obviously they're putting on those events and stuff like that but I assume from that you learned like okay cool these other events that go on at the exact same date are going to have a massive impact if it's sort of similar interest and similar bits and pieces like that so you yeah. learned that from those first four events what have you learned from running the label side of things I don't know that's quite a big question but like what have you sort of taken away or what have you like learned from whether it's releases or whether it's sort of like number of releases a year I think that
0: was quite blessed with always thinking strategically before i knew i was doing it okay and i think with that there's all these little things like without these little things i've mentioned the label won't be where it is today so i think that organic growth is important as well thinking Mm -hmm. about not forcing things you know like say if i would have just started to run before i could walk i probably would have fallen off a cliff Mm. right or if what do just... you mean there? So do you
1: mean like, oh, I'm not going to try and over a cheat, like, oh, get too many releases out? Is that what you mean by like running before you can walk? Like, So I'm not going to try and get a release out a month. It's like, I'm going to...
0: No, no, not even that. I think we, we've always worked to release a month, but um, that is a good... I wouldn't have said that, but that is actually a really good point because you do see some labels that put out too much. It's just... It's not giving the, each release room to breathe and room to promote yeah. it because you're already moving on to the next one. So that is a massive point, but it, more just, um, everything like the learning experience can't be boom. It's got to, it's got to be gradual to implement mm-hmm. these things. I think, like I said, the label came around organically. It wasn't me. It was like, Oh, what can we do next? It wasn't at the start, right. I'm going to do bang, bang. I'm going to do label. I'm going to do events. I'm going to do, it had to come in its time. if yeah. that make sense? And it, it was just a, an arm added on. Um, yeah. and I've always kind of worked like that. What, you just working organically things I don't know swing around things you get exposed to stuff where you think oh that might be an idea yeah. whereas if you go into something the second you've set eyes on it or hear about it or want to know what it is or to do it yourself you've not spent that time learning about what it is first or how it works what I was going to follow on from that is
1: um, well two questions number one what's more stressful running events or running a label events
0: yeah hundred thousand percent. You yeah. don't have that. The reason why I decided to take a break in 2018 after that run of shows, I needed to realize what I wanted again. And it, it sounds mad having only done it in that 18 months, but that 18 months took my hair away for a start. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, know, like I just, it was so, and, it, and, and within that one being so hungry for something yeah. came, came with, uh, Young mind and comparing things on social media, and you know, why is that event doing better than this? Why is you know, questioning everything and wondering why stuff ain't getting the engagement that you want because you want it so bad Mm. and all, and that with the financials and everything just fueled this kind of that six weeks, I think, uh, which. I could, is the best way I can describe it. That six weeks when you announce the show to it coming up, mm. Facebook page goes mad. Everyone gasses it up. Everyone gasses up the announcements. All your mates or everyone that you know is like, that lineup's sick. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. You're seeing yeah. all these numerics and you've been shouted all this stuff at you that this is going to bang. And you you start to believe it because everyone's yeah. telling you it's going to be sick and everyone's telling you they're yeah. going to buy a ticket. Yeah. Or you can see the numbers. You can, some event pages, they used to do one and a half, two thousand on Facebook and you'd be like, yeah, we'll sell out easy. Yeah. And then, it, and then it, yeah, and then it comes around, and that final week is like I can't ever describe it. It, you know, if you've got if you've got five, six, seven grand of whether it's your money or someone else's money on the line, that mm. you just you don't know. You just don't. It just
1: comes through with like where people saying that oh, I'll buy tickets, I'll go. And obviously they just haven't bought a ticket. or Yeah, and gone. then you're yeah.
0: waiting for it to. You're waiting for that number to start moving more than three or four a day. You're waiting for it yeah. to start going, and it just and sometimes it just never happened. Like, yeah. obviously it did to an extent because you're not just going to have 50, you've never, we've never had just 50 people in, but in terms of scaling for, to a 600 sellout and it only doing 200, you know, that it's that, that three days you were just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then that Wednesday, Thursday comes around and it doesn't move and you're just like, I'm fucked. I'm so fucked. What am I going to so do? So it's, it's, that is, yeah, so the stress of that having repeated, like having repeated yeah. that a few times, but, it's just like. And then the I'm event gonna... comes and you, you, you go into it being let down because you know it's on paper, you know it's already failed. On, yeah. on paper I look back now and think it's great because they were gas and they helped yeah. create the hype around the brand that it did that helped it carry on um, but in that moment you just think of the of the failure almost but after that wow. five weeks have been on this massive mountain of high to come bang that back down worth and then on them and then the days after it where you're just thinking about you just you just analyze everything but yeah. you're not analyzing why it was good you're analyzing why it was bad and that made it harder after like i say it was just the roller coaster yeah the ups uh, and downs know, the big uh, troughs yeah. was difficult for you to carry on doing
1: and like you said if you are on such a high and then that comes down obviously the low is so much lower because you're like oh god so
0: and when yeah. i was so hungry for it as well it makes it that much harder yeah it made it like to take mentally so i needed to I need, yeah, I needed to. At that time, I said to myself, I need to reassess what I want. Can I carry yeah. on doing this? Because if I feel like it's afraid two months, it's not sustainable. But there was a second one
1: I was going to ask before. I said, What's more stressful, running the music label or running events? And we said about um, running events. What well, I was going to say, and you, you can feel free to answer this or not, it's, it's up to you. <laughs> what um, What makes more money, running events or running a music label? Uh,
0: pff, difficult question because l- label revenue generates. Over time, more and more and more, as long as you're consistent and you Mm -hmm. carry on going on the sort of whether you plateau or you're on upwards trajectory, as long as you're not going down, yeah. The people, more and more people are always finding you through. You might do a release, you've never released an artist before, their network then finds out about 140 and they follow you. So it's a two way transaction, like not just signing an artist record doesn't always mean that they're getting exposure from your network it goes both ways sometimes mm. so they're learning about 140 and in that sense that's why the revenue just is a it's a slow burner but it's always going up and up and up and up over time because more yeah. and more people are exposed to the label events you know you can have like I say you can have one good event and make, make two grand and then the one after you clash with a promoter and, and lose four so it's, it's so hit and miss there's obviously there's bigger gambles so it's a like it's a massive gamble but if it pays off you're getting an instant three four five grand in your hand yeah if it doesn't you're losing that so it's it's like Russian roulette kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was, I mean, on paper,
1: like I suppose some people might go, well, why don't you just not do events then? But I suppose obviously the amount of, like you said, content that you get for socials, the amount that it does for the label, the amount it does for the brand. And also, if, if you are having a good event, like you said, it is sick and it's wicked. But um, yeah, so I don't think you can necessarily have too many na- labels that aren't necessarily i'm trying to think over the top of my head at the moment i mean i'm sure there's loads out there but i'm sort of thinking like quite big established labels that wouldn't put on events or wouldn't put on bits and pieces i suppose it's part and parcel really isn't it of it, like the it, it is things. it's
0: i mean music's made to be heard in live yeah. in live spaces like for me personally it's not don't get me wrong we all love streaming and listen to it in our own four walls but like you'd the reason why i got into these genres it, Grime specifically, the reason I latched onto Grime at such a young age is because of that energy that came with a live set. It was the live mm. set aspects, it was the live performance, it was it was radio. It wasn't me listening to Power to Thousand Farm repeat hundred times. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it came from that live energy. And that's what as always I think that's probably what made me what why events appealed to me after Butters because yeah. it was seeing it firsthand. I wanted to do that. I always take my love of grime and then what I'd built then with the genres or what I was wanting to build with the other genres that I liked and putting that in place and, and making it happen.
1: From running events um, and obviously you've got experience running events, running events around the country, um, running events with different genres in it as well and at different nightclubs and with different scales of people on the lineups. Um, what's one piece of advice you would give to somebody that is thinking about starting a new event series or starting a brand to put events on maybe they're like starting their first event and you think okay I wish I'd knew this right back at the start because it would have been
0: handy it's hard to put one give one thing because <laughs> there's just... you can give
1: a couple you can give a couple if you haven't got to pick it down um, to one necessarily if you've got I'll two or three or four
0: um, being original is is definitely definitely makes a massive impact because if you're doing something that everyone else is doing, then how are you doing it differently? You, you can't really, mm. there's only so many factors that, that you can change about a night. Like for example, like I said, putting the decks in the middle of the room, but a lot of venues won't let you do that mm. because they're probably scared that their equipment will get fucked or something will get fucked or mm. they don't know you that well. or It's just, it's just something that's not really done. They don't want yeah. to change it around the settings of the venue. Like no one else gets to do it. So why should you? Yeah. So, or, you know, when I come back to like the label side, uh, colour coding the, the brand so that it was affiliated to different genres rather than just being churning out artist EPs. These mm. things that make you different are really important to, to give you that leg up. Um, otherwise, it's hard to get that longevity if you're just doing what everyone else is doing, I think. Yeah. Um, I think being available is massive. Like I must have 50, 60 different conversations on my phone every day on messages. Yeah. But that networking all the time. And that yeah. me just mean networking as in like, you know, speaking to people you never know. It's also a lot of it is building ongoing relationships with yeah. people you've worked for two years with. You need to, keep that relationship there with them, not only pick them up and drop them as and when you need them or as and when you think that it might be a good time to release them. On your watch, it's got to be to build them up to to benefit them. Being original and and, and networking and relationship building uh, are definitely massive in professionalism. If you're not professional then you're not going to get very far because you just, you kind of already Hit your ceiling before you get too far
1: yeah there are a lot of egos uh in the in there are a lot of egos in the music industry uh, which actually brings us quite nicely onto the next thing that i was going to talk about um you, like you haven't got to drop names here and we haven't really got to speak about anyone um as an individual but we have had people on the podcast talk about certain job roles before in the industry and sort of some people that are really great to work with and some people that give a sort of a certain job aspect or a job uh, a bad name or a bad rep as someone that's put on events and as someone that's worked with artists and worked with people booking. Agents and stuff like that, and as as people on the label, but more towards the event side. Um, if you if you could give one piece of advice to uh, to managers or booking agents in the industry, what would you um what would you like to advise?
0: Just let us fucking work, man. <laughs> just let <laughs> us put stuff together and just let it happen. Um, like with anything, teamwork makes a dream work. And again, it yeah. sounds cliche as fuck. But if not everyone's on the same page with something you just see sort of segments in stuff you don't if people look at grime's a perfect example look at what happened when they all started working together and then where it got yeah. to it broke through on an unimaginable scale like yeah. and that's what happens when people work together yeah and like i mean like elijah put a viral tweet up probably a couple months ago about headline billing It was like somewhat sometimes your favorite, you don't see your favorite artists on the same lineup because they argue about where they should be on a JPEG that gets posted to the internet. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I didn't see that too, but that's very good. Um, and it was very just good. like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny because i reckon obviously would have had
1: well i'm sure you probably know who he's talking about there um but yeah there's somebody probably saw that tweet and was like that's about me that's
0: been like oh that's about me and me arguing saying that I, I want will, this artist to be higher that's why i love what i, I just kind of doing with the yellow square stuff now is because he, he's always making people think and that's not just that's not just anyone that's professionals he's making the internal industry think about what they're doing um but he, he won't call anyone out on it it was just like it was just him yeah. speaking his mind on twitter like and it will not he didn't direct it at anyone or indirect anyone i don't think they're doing many shows or anything really It was more just hmm. um just problem areas in in the industry that we could make better like and we could make more sick things happen if these certain obstacles were in the way or people had different mindsets towards stuff because like th- and he said this in the thread of the tweets. What? What? Whoever's buying a tickets, I find him thinking, "Oh well, he's not on that place on the lineup," so. Uh. Do you know what I mean? No one thinks like that. It's genuinely nobody
1: does at all. When you think about that, if you don't work in the music industry or if you don't work in the business, if you're not putting on that event, nobody has ever gone. Well, I really like this artist, but um, they're actually third, so I'm not going to bother buying a ticket. <laughs> they go like six. Okay. Number one, most people would. If you don't work in the music industry, they'll know sort of the headline slot is like a headline, but that's it. They yeah, won't yeah. know anything else below that, so they're not even looking. Going, wonder where they are. Wonder where they is. That's why also like so many people now obviously do alphabetical listings, yeah. and but then obviously some people still cook off about that. So it's like yeah you're so right nobody's ever looked at a lineup and gone they're too far down i love them but i'm not watching them
0: i understand that it's it's a growth it's a it's a it's a getting bigger thing as an artist i understand that and with coming on being at the top of certain lineups gets you noticed by bigger your warehouse projects you're worried about emory's yeah. that that's just how the team works but in terms of like if you've got if you're trying to book two names right that are sort of i don't know around that <laughs> two grand booking fee area one and a half grand they're Big names, they're headliner names for a small, you know, six, five, six hundred cap event, right? Yeah. They're both getting paid, so why? Uh, and they're both big artists. So you, one's going to be first, and one's going to be second. You're both at the top. That is the top of yeah. the flyer. Why does it matter who's first and who's second? Mm. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And it's and people like agents are turning shows away because of that. Like, oh, well, if he's not going to be top of the bill and main headliner, I can't take this show. So you're going to turn away a grand and a half, lose getting that artist, giving some mad exposure from content and whatever might come from that event and a six set and engaging with four or 500 people in a club night. You're yeah. going to take that away because they're not top of a flyer. Yeah. And instead, and now we can't do that lineup. It's mental Where we were
1: just talking about everything that has opened over the last six years now with events and music and labels and, and running everything. And what we said before about, before the, before the, um, just what we were talking a little bit about, like peaks and troughs and, and always necessarily like you achieve something and then like the, the goalpost moves and you're like, achieve something else. And then you're like, okay, the goalpost moved now and it's moved to sort of over. What do you class as sort of like a win nowadays?
0: Um... I mean, I'm I'm 28 next month. So with that has come in that six year span, has come maturity and a lot mm. more. Sort of, I don't know. Just feel like older now, like wiser. And with that comes you appreciate the smaller things as well. It's easy to it's easy to get forget that like when you get wrapped up in a, a mental week of you know working night and day. But when you sit mm. and have these conversations, you, you you often or you see something nice or someone thanks you for something. You think, yeah that 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 was a win because you've you've, yeah. you've someone's personally thanked you for your role in what you've helped yeah with or um, but if you're talking big achievements, obviously the the bigger you, the bigger you get, the harder to come by because that next thing becomes even harder and harder to reach yeah. um, but for example, I don't know. The first one, and it was much needed because I've been busting my balls for a while now for the last six months. I don't feel like I've had anything massive happen where I'm like, wow, you know, like the levels to this when you got Champions League and stuff like that. That was like a a massive thing. And I don't feel like I've had anything since then that has been like a massive thing. Um, But I got an email on... One, one night this week, Wednesday, I think it was, um, inviting me to speak at the AVA Festival in w- Primworks, Six. which for me is incredible because I've never never done public speaking, really. i yeah. spoke at my local college as far as yeah, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. So to get, uh, and the line-up there is like, you know, Kyle Cox, the director of hospital records, to be speaking yeah. on the same stage as some of these people when I'm just, a lad from up north on an underground record label is is surreal. That's sick. surreal because it's obviously another string. Like I said, it's another output there. Um,
1: being yeah, being asked asked to talk at an industry event. Yeah, um, just means that obviously the people that are running the event and looking after it. Respect to you, respect everything that you're doing, can see that you've done fantastic bits. Um, and then it's just, yeah, sort of like another another just fantastic bit of recognition there from, from like you said, not even necessarily people that are just going to events or people that buy tickets or raving yeah. or stuff like that. This is people that work in the industry and work in the scene. Um, so that's, yeah, that's it, mate.
0: <laughs> well, We're this was, um, thank you. This was, a it wasn't direct from the festival, it was a bring-in, which, again, might be the start of something... Hmm. Else as I rub shoulders with whoever I meet down there, but um, it was through Centric on the publishing stuff. Um, We signed our deal with them at the end of last year um, and they're basically doing a panel on sort of publishing and the commercialization of music. Um, And they work for a lot of underground artists from, I don't know, from Cocoa right up to uh, Unknown T they have on their Hmm. roster. Um, So I'll be speaking with them about the publishing. So I don't think that I'm personally recognized at industry level probably outside our own scenes but it might be the next chapter or something I don't know first I don't know yeah, yeah absolutely the first step
1: uh, mate it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today it's great to get on because like I said I have known you for a time and I've seen 140 and supported it and done bits and pieces with it been to the events seen the shows um, but it's also sick to see behind the curtain and see the label see the label side of things how they're running see the event side of things how they're running because like I said if, if you do just look at it from the outside um, you don't necessarily take into consideration everything that goes into running a, uh, an event and everything that goes to running a label and so some of the advice that you've given as well um, from both of those things um, is great insight to have. Um, And yeah, mate, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to chat to you, Stan.
0: It is. Thank you for having us. And uh, I could, I could talk all day. I mean, I love that. I could come back to it, the education and access that knowledge. You can't really get it anywhere online. You only get it from, that's the great thing about podcasts, I think, because it's opening up a lot more of them conversations and a lot more places where you can learn of how, your favorite label or your favorite artist or whatever, what, what their journey has been like behind what you've seen online, the yeah. the key things that have happened in their career that have taken to the next level or the key strategies they have implemented, which have helped grow. Um, and I feel like that's, that's really, really important um, to, 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 to talk about just so people yeah. can yeah, learn, learn sure. or even know if, they're a, even if it might just be a fan who listens to music that wants to know the backstory. It's, um, but yeah sharing the knowledge man
1: yeah sharing the knowledge uh, absolutely mate it's been a pleasure
0: well thank you mate, I've told you once I've told you twice you know on the list alright alright